Have you guys been enjoying this series? Yes. Okay. I've, I tell you, I've enjoyed prepping it, and I've enjoyed watching it being taught by the team. And I, I, I really, I'm amazed. It's, where did you all come from? It's like, <laughs> boom, there's just so many people here. It's wonderful to see you all, and it's wonderful to be back. And it is great, you know, the church house, they had 56 kids on Sunday at the church house last Sunday. And they also, they're just too many... There's not enough seats in the venue for, for what's going on there. Terry was telling me this Friday at Youth, also, they were just, they were packed on Sunday. So we rejoice in what God is doing, amen? He's doing some amazing things with us. I know Frank prayed, but I'd like to pray as well. Lord, as we just look at your word this morning, help me. And not just help me, but help this church and help us that are sitting here. Lord, we want to know you. We don't want to know about you. We want to know you. We want to know your character, Father. We want to know your nature. And we don't only want to know you, but we want to know who we are, our identity, the plans and the purposes and the destinies that you have on every one of our lives, Father God, to be involved with you in your kingdom on this earth and eternity. And I pray that as I share this morning, you would bring information and revelation that transforms hearts and lives and helps them to see themselves and see you and see the kingdom in a bigger way than they have ever seen it before, I ask in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I need my notes, Kim. They're in my pouch there, I think just under the, 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 your seat there. So we, we, we're looking at the Father. We're looking at the three statements that, that the father made to the older brother. My son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Amen. Thanks a lot. And um, I want to unpack that this morning, but I just want to tell you something just before I start. You know, at Orange Grove, I had one of the guys come to me. Not, he didn't come to me. He messaged me while I was away. And he said, I can't listen to your last son series because there's no third son in the story. You're making it up. I'm serious. This is serious. This is not a joke. And I, you know, what can I do? I'm in the halfway around the world, you know. And, and it's true. In the prodigal son, it doesn't say, and the third son is Jesus. You understand that? But I just want to show you something. Because, you know, I'm telling you guys, there's such life on this that the devil will use whatever he can to distract from what God is teaching us. So I just want to, just please go to, go to the next slide. Do we have one of those things that I can control the slides or not? Okay, there we go. So just go to the next slide, please. I want us to look at this. There we go. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 3. This is the prelude to the story. Listen to what it says. This is so important. And maybe Kimmy covered this, but it says, yeah. Now, tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Who's the him? Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Okay? So let's get the context. Jesus is teaching. Jesus is preaching. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is preaching the kingdom of God. He's preaching the kingdom of God. He's teaching the kingdom of God. He's demonstrating the kingdom of God. People are getting healed. People are getting transformed. People are getting connected to the Father. The Pharisees don't like it. They don't like that these sinners and even these tax collectors who are siding with the Romans, these people who are funding the Roman oppressors are coming and are getting to know about God. They're not nice people. They're not clean, pure, holy people like us. 
So there's, these, these sinners are loving Jesus, but they're getting judged by these religious people. And these religious people are looking at Jesus' crossed arms and they're like, what the hell's going on here? Are you with me? Can you see it? Okay. Then it says this, verse 3. Then Jesus told them this parable. Okay, so who's speaking the parable? Jesus. Who's listening to the parable? Two groups of people. Sinners and tax collectors and teachers of the law and Pharisees. Now, I know, okay, so, let's, so you get that. That's the, that's the backdrop to the story. Then Jesus tells three stories. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost sons. All in response to that scenario. Now, go to the next slide. You do the recap for me. The three sons in the story, who are they? First son, the younger son. Now, in the context of Luke chapter 1, sorry, 15 verse 1, the younger son, who does he identify with? The sinners and the tax collectors. Yes. The older brother, who does he identify with? The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Who's the third son? But he's the son not in the parable. He's the one telling the parable. And why is he telling the parable? What's his motive for telling the parable? He wants them to see that there are these two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. That there's two fathers. There's God the Father and Satan. The third father is the father in the story of the prodigal who represents God the Father. Amen? And what Jesus is teaching them is if you're in the world and you're a sinner, like a tax collector, you're, you're obviously serving the devil. But then Jesus brings this other truth. Hey, you religious teachers of law and you Pharisees, if you are religious, don't think that you are saved and connected to your Father. John 8, 44, Jesus said this to those people, you belong to your Father, the devil, and you carry out his desires. And we see in the story that the older brother was as lost as the younger brother. He was just lost in religion. Now, let me tell you, one of the takeaways from this trip, I've just come from the, the Middle East. There are, there's Muslims there, there's Jewish people there, there's Christian people there. It's the melting pot of religions in the world, isn't it? And I want to tell you, you know what my takeaway is? Religion cannot save a single person. And what we mean by that is religion that is based on works, on man's effort to become good enough to be acceptable for God. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying there's two kingdoms in the world, but the kingdom of darkness and Satan is a liar and he's sneaky and he, and he, 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 he blinds people and he takes them into his kingdom two ways, through sin of worldly sin, which is obvious, we all understand it. But the other much more sneaky way and much more harder to see is that he gets people caught up in religion and they think they know God. They think they're doing God a favor, but they don't know God. And their hearts are not connected to the Father. The problem is that with, like these Pharisees, they're looking down, judging and condemning people. They don't know themselves. They're lost. Remember Jesus said, hey, take the plank out of your eye before you take the speck out of your brother's eye. That was directed to religious people, not irreligious people. Isn't that incredible? So I'm, saying, I'm just giving you, there's, there it is there, okay? 
I'm showing you that to, to help us to understand there are three sons. And there are these two kingdoms. And don't let the enemy lie to you. Is that okay? Good. Now, let's go to the next slide. God the Father. He is glorious. You know, but let's be honest. Truthful and honest today. How many of us live with this understanding of God and we're not too sure about him? We know God is there. And in one hand, we know he's good and we know he's loving and all of those things. But on the other hand, we feel like sometimes he treats us hard. Sometimes he's a little bit unfair. Like, and we, we're confused about God. Is he really good or is he... Sometimes, you know, we, we're living in this, if he's all powerful and almighty, why is all this nonsense happening to me? Yes. And, 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 and that's because we don't know our father like we should. And we don't know his character, and we don't know his nature. And hopefully, over these last couple of weeks, we are starting to see the father as he is. Amen? So, the Father is glorious, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 to 17. The glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has love and compassion for all people. This parable, of the, this, this, this parable shows us that God is absolutely besotted with worldly sinners. But guess what? He is also besotted with religious people. And he wants all of them to what? Come into his kingdom. When Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he was arguing and reasoning with them in a hopefully to break their mindset and open their eyes so that they can see their need for God. Because at least these guys understood their need for God. You understand what I'm trying to say? And so John 17, 33, this is what Jesus says. He says there, let me, let me oof, I need to, can someone just open this water up for me? Listen to this. this <laughs> I was reading this, and this is Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he says this. Listen to this. John 17, 23. I in them and you in me. I is Jesus, you is the Father. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me. So we must be unified as a church so the world can know that God sent Jesus. Now listen to this. That you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. What does that mean? That the world may know that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. What Jesus is saying is, God loves the religious, and God loves the worldly, and God loves his church as much as he loves Jesus. Guys, you need to understand this thing. God loves People, all people. And he does not look at their sin and get turned off. And he does not look at their pious religious acts and get turned on. No. He just loves people. And he wants people to come into his kingdom, be in his presence, know him, and to find their destiny in. God is a glorious father and he loves. Amen. And listen to this. As much as he loves Jesus, he loves people. And he wants to bring everyone into his kingdom. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is patient with us, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to what? Come to repentance. What's God's heart? He's got a heart for the obvious sinners. 
He's got a heart for the non-obvious sinners. And he's got a heart for his kingdom sons and daughters. This is the father we're talking about, my friends. He loves this, the, the older son. He loves the younger son. And he loves Jesus, his perfect son. Amen? Next slide. Now, how does the father bring people into his kingdom? Sorry, how the father brings people into his kingdom is through, firstly, Jesus, the perfect son. Jesus is the means of salvation. Amen? His work on the cross, his death and his resurrection is the only basis on which people can come into the kingdom. You can't come in through religion and you definitely can't come in through the world. So the first way is that Jesus had to come for God so loved the world that he sent his son. Amen? But the second way that on earth God's kingdom is coming through people is through us, Jesus' body. Us, the spiritful church, are his kingdom ambassadors on earth. Now, I don't know if that's, I don't know what you, you feel like about that. Are you with me? And to be honest, a lot of people, including myself from time to time, we get intimidated by, by this thing of evangelism. And we get intimidated by this thing. And I'll tell you why. It's because we're religious. And it's because we're thinking we've got to do it our own strength. All on our own without God's help. But that's a lie from the pit of hell. Because one thing the devil doesn't want to do up, he doesn't want to give up any of his prisoners. And he doesn't want the ones that he's lost to the Father to know who they are or what their job is. He wants to keep everyone in darkness. Are you with me? So I just want to read this. And the order that I've put these references in is, is important. Because it doesn't follow the, the, the order they read in the Bible. But I just want you to listen to this. So what, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that beautiful? Hey, Jason, why don't you come up here, but I'm going to pick on you, bro, because you're picking on me. Okay? This, Myra and I, I don't know if you saw some of the photos, but Myra and I got baptized in the Jordan River. Okay? This is the baptismal robe that I got there. Okay, and, we, and, and it says there that God made Jesus, the sinless, perfect Lamb of God, to become sin for us so that we who were sinful could be clothed. Why don't you put that on, but clothed, you're going to look fine, bro. You're going to look, you're going to rock it better than I did. Okay, you are clothed with Christ. What does the younger brother get when he comes back to the father? The father says, quick, bring a robe and put it on him to cover his shameful nakedness, to cover his sin. Amen? God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. Amen? Doesn't that look good? Hey? There we go. Okay? Let's carry on reading. Verse 18. You know, I was praying about who to choose, and the Lord told me this morning to choose you, bro. I'm serious. God's got a meeting with you today. All this is from God, from the Father, who has reconciled us to himself. So God says, Jason, you're my son. And you've, either you've come in religious or you've come in worldly. It doesn't matter. What I've done is I've brought you near to me. I've reconciled you to me. Remember the other thing, you can take off your shoes because that guy didn't come with shoes. The Father gave him a pair of sandals. And he said, these sandals represent the gospel shoes of peace. 
You've got peace with God because Jesus became sin for you. And you've got peace with your family, in your marriage. You receive forgiveness from God. And let me tell you, when you've really received forgiveness, my friend, it's very hard to hold bitterness in your heart to anyone else because you realize God totally forgave me of all of my sins. How can I now hold on to bitterness and resentment for someone who did it and they were blind in their sin? So you get peace with God, but then you get reconciled to your fellow man because you've been given the gospel shoes of peace. Then, what else did he give him? Just keep it on, because I can't get mine off. He gives him a ring, a covenant. And this is how he's bringing people into his kingdom. The covenant of blood. We did it today. The blood of the new covenant poured out for the forgiveness of many sins. But the ring also represents a ring of authority. Amen? Let's carry on reading. Now watch here. Uh, verse 18. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ Jesus. Now, when it says world there, what are we teaching you? Does that world mean the sinners in the world? Only the, only the obviously sinful people. Or does that term the world mean those that are in the world and are the religious sinners and the worldly sinners? You need to understand in that statement, the world, it's both kinds of sinners. That we, you and me, my friends, have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And that Jesus died for us. And then he said, now you are my ambassadors. You go and share this ministry of reconciliation. Amen? Verse 14 and 15, listen to what it says. For, we, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all died. He died for all so that those should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. I want to ask you, who are you living for? This is the problem with religion. Do you know what's behind religion? Self. What's behind religion is I'm using God to get what I want from God. And obviously people in the world are living for themselves. But in religion, it's, it's masked in selfishness. And I'm using God for my own means. And then they make gods in the image of themselves. You know, I went to Hong Kong. And you can buy fake money this much. Like 400 bagazillion dollars cost you one dollar. Then you take that 400 bagazillion fake money. And you take it to an altar. And there's your God. And then you burn that money to your God there. Because you're showing your God what a generous offering you're giving him. Now let me tell you something. If your God is so stupid that he doesn't know that it's been hoodwinked by a $400 million offering that cost you $1, your God is not worth serving. Amen. Your God is not worth serving. And let me tell you something. I would hate to see the prayers you're going to get answered from that God. Because he's going to hoodwink you just like you're hoodwinking him. And that's what I mean. You see, it's, a, it's an invention of a religious system that suits me. It doesn't cost me much. But I'm pulling my wool over my own eyes and I'm not serving God at all. But in the kingdom, we don't live for ourselves. We've surrendered our lives to our God. We've surrendered our lives to our King. And we're living for Him and His kingdom. And you know what Jesus said? And Jesus is not a liar. If you hold on to your life in this life, you're going to lose life. 
But if you give up your life in this life for me and the sake of my kingdom, you will get life and life forevermore. I'm going to tell you something, my friends. I've never outgiven God. I've never outgiven God financially. I've never outgiven God in relationships. You know, my friends, it's not, I travel a lot, as you know. It's not easy to leave this church. I love to travel and I love to go bless other people because I know God called me to it. But my friends, it cost me. I missed kids' birthdays. I missed family birthdays. My mom knows. I missed weddings. Not my own kids' weddings, but my family weddings. I missed births. I missed deaths. I have paid a massive price, my friends, to take the gospel to the nations and to visit other churches. But you, uh, but you know what? I do it because I'm not living for myself, because I'm living for my king. And you know what? I am a rich man relationally. Thank God I've got an awesome relationship with my kids. Thank God that I've got friends all over the world. Thank God that my brothers and I are tight. May, you would think that I wouldn't have good relationships because I'm so busy. But the truth is, I've got so many relationships and all over the world because I'm laying my life down for the kingdom. I've tried to outgive God. I can't financially. Do you understand? It, I this is one of the kingdom principles. When you... When you pull to yourself selfishly, you lose. But when you give away, you gain so much more. But that takes faith, my friend. And see, religion doesn't understand that. And, and certainly worldliness doesn't understand that. How are we doing here? We've got eight minutes. Just go back to that slide, please, Mark, the previous one. Okay, verse 20. <laughs> We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as if God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Okay, and then verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Guys, you need to see that. The second you get born again, you're a new creation. Your spirit that was dead has been made alive. Alive. Now, you know what the problem is? That while your spirit is instantaneously born again, when you look underneath, okay, when you look underneath, your mind, your will, and your body, that thing is not instantaneously transformed. That thing needs a process. That thing needs someone. I want to show it to you now. Just thanks, but you can take a seat. I want you to, you can take a seat. Take a seat. I might call you up later. Kimmy, why don't you just bring this and put it here? Okay? And then verse 17 says this. Okay, verse 19. Hey, guys, you're sleeping on the job there. There we go. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ that way. You know what that means, there, guys, is when you look at people, and you see their sin if they're in the world. Don't judge them. Love them and say, Lord, how can I bring the gospel to them? And when you see people in religion, don't judge them. Love them and say, Lord, how can I bring them into the gospel? How can I share the gospel with them? You understand? The devil wants you to judge them. And the devil wants you to um, write them off. But God says, no. Don't do that. Amen? Okay. So, Jesus is the perfect son. He uses us as his kingdom ambassadors on earth. Go to the next slide. Okay, so that's the younger brother, what the father gives him, right? How he brings a young into the kingdom. Next slide. Now this is where we get to today, the older brother. 
What he says to the older brother is this, you're my son. Now, when God made mankind, did he make us perfect? He did. We were made sinless perfection. We were made sinless perfection. But then what happened? We disobeyed God. And what happened? Sin. Sin came into our lives. Am I right? Remember what God said at the Garden of Eden? When you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good, you will surely die. What part of man died in the Garden of Eden? What part of mankind? Huh? Did Adam and Eve, were they physically dead by the tree the next morning? So did their bodies die? Okay? Were they brain dead? Were they, like, were they, were they vegetables? No brain power. No. So, they, so their souls, your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. Did their souls die? So what part of them died? Their spirit died. Okay? So before, they were perfect before, but what happened is when sin came into the world, their spirits that were righteous and connected to God, their bodies and their minds became corrupt and their spirits died. Now this is important. Their spirits were not dead to Satan. Their spirits were not dead to spiritual influences. They were just dead to light, not darkness. So man became dead in his sins, separated from God. In his mind, he had hostility towards God. In his body, his body had lusts and desires that were different. And that's the state of every single man in Adam. And that's why religion cannot save you. Then what does God do? He sends Jesus. He sends Jesus. Now you can come back, but, okay? And what does he do? He puts a robe. He puts a robe on you. And he, like the younger brother, he clothes you with Christ. Yes? He puts a ring on your finger, he gets your sandals on the feet. And what happens? Any man being Christ, instantaneously, your spirit that was dead is resurrected and it's made born again. Now you are clothed with Christ. Now the reason I'm using this is I want you to see the, the mind, the will, the body, ah, that thing is not instantaneously sorted. So what does God do? You know what he does? He takes, uh, let's do it like this. Well done, Terry. You're thinking way ahead of the game. He takes this. And this represents the kingdom of God. This represents the word of God. This represents the spirit of God. This represents the church of God. This represents prayer, worship, all things of the kingdom. And he starts to pour, renew your mind through the washing of the word of God. Make sure that you're in fellowship with one another. Pray, thanksgiving, reading the Bible. What does it do? Wash your mind through the washing of the word of God. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And that which is on the outside, your spirit, God does on the inside of your heart. And you get made new. And so what he, he works what is on the outside, he works inside of you. If you position yourself correctly. But now let me tell you what happens. You're born again. You're born again. You're saved, you're covered. But my friend, the devil doesn't give up. He will bring sin, the sin of the world, and he will bring the sin of religion. And he'll try and do this. And then you're trying to fight, and then you're going this. And then, oh, then you watch a movie and you, or you got something, you read a book and then you're like confused in your mind. And then, oh, you flip and then you, then you oh, come back to church, you get washed again. And honestly, that's what happens in our lives. And you've got to learn, my friends, that you've got to position yourself in such a way that you, Jesus said this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, how does that work? 
my son, understand what we penny the word this morning. God uses circumstance in the crushing, in the pressing. What are you making? New wine. Guys, let's be honest here. The primary way that God speaks to us is through his word and his spirit. And he says, Steve, do this. Or Steve, don't be that. God is always speaking to us. The primary way God wants to change us is through speaking to us. But are you willing enough this morning to admit that we don't listen? Come on. We don't listen to the word. We don't listen to the spirit. We don't listen to our wives. We don't listen to our pastors. We don't listen to our friends. We think we know it all. So what, when we're not listening... What does God do? What does he do? He brings external pressure. He organizes circumstances and situations to get you to come to your senses. See, the younger brother, he needed to go to the pigsty. He needed to realize, I can't do it in my own strength. He needed to realize, remember he was dead then. He was completely in the darkness. And then he comes to his senses. He says, flip, I need to change. But now the problem is that even when you're saved, you still sometimes pour that bad stuff in there. And, and then you feel bad. Then you come to church and the devil says to you, hey, Jade, what did you look at this week? But, hey, what did you say? What was that? And now you're in worship, trying to, live, trying to worship the Lord, and the devil's going, ah, 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 ah. My friend, that's when you're in the fight. That's when you've got to know, hey, the robe, hey, the ring, the ring, hey, the sandals. Hey, I've got to know my identity in Christ. Remember, it's Christ's work on my behalf. Now, in religion, you don't have that option because religion is based on what you do. And when the devil comes and he starts hoing all this bad stuff at you, not you in religion, you go, you're right. You're defeated. But in the kingdom, you say, yes, that's right. But guess what? Jesus' blood. Jesus' blood. Johnny, come here. Jesus' blood, Jesus' blood covered me and he clothed me in Christ. And no matter what happens to me, I'm covered in the blood of the lamb. And if I have religious sin or if I have worldly sin, I belong to Christ and I'm clothed with Christ. And Satan, I do not belong to you. In Jesus' name, footsack out of my life. And you get back on the horse, you get back to where you should be, and you continue this process in God. Now, what I was supposed to talk to you today about was, <laughs> everything I have is yours. God adopts you as his son. We've talked about that. He gives you access to his presence. We talked about that. Then he gives you his resources. Let me tell you what the three of those resources. Number one, God gave you himself. Do you understand that what Jesus did is he gave you access like Terry preached last week to the Father's presence. God has given you access to himself. He's given you himself, number one. Number two, in order to get you to himself, he gave you Jesus. He literally gave up his son. His son's blood had to be shed for you. And he gave you Jesus' righteousness. He gave you a covenant shed in Jesus' blood. He gave you sandals on your feet that says peace with God. And then the third thing that he gave you, and we're going to look at that more next week. Listen to this. He gives you his spirit. He gives you the Holy Spirit. And then your body becomes the temple. 
in which God lives by His Spirit. And the Holy Spirit starts that transforming work inside of you. And the sons of God walk in step with the Spirit of God. They are led by the Spirit of God. They operate in the power of the Spirit. The greatest gift that God ever gave us was the person of the Holy Spirit guiding us, leading us, and directing us. I'm asking you, what more do you want from God? You've got Him. You've got His Son. You've got His Spirit. He's positioned you with everything you need for life and godliness. Isn't this amazing? But see, it's not religion. It's relationship. It's a connection with the Father. And the Satan is always, always going to attack this. Because he's going to point this. But this is covered by this. And this covenant is stronger than any covenant with the devil. And those sandals of peace can forgive any sin, religious and worldly. And don't you forget it. And you must remind yourself, and you must remind the devil, and you must remind the Father that you love by him. I'll be honest with you, my friends. I've been fighting some battles this week when I got back, and I've had to do this. And this morning, I was being blessed by the words that were coming. And I thought to myself, how much more? If I'm living this stuff, preaching it, teaching it daily, how much more do people struggle with their identity as his sons and daughters? So I felt God say, give them this visual demonstration again and remind them again who they are, who I am, what I've done for them, and the access they have to my presence. Why don't you stand to your feet? You guys okay? Was that helpful? Sorry. Wonderful. You know, we often ask, why is this happening to me, Lord? Why the hardship? I'll tell you the answer. He's forming Jesus in you. Not because he hates you, because he loves you. Now, there's sometimes Job scenarios. We even, when we are sinlessly, there's not sin in our lives. God sometimes still has got to do character work in us, so circumstances happen. But if we're honest, most of the time, it's our own doffness and our own rebelliousness and our own stubbornness that brings us the, the problems on us. And guess what? We still blame God because the devil is there feeding us the lies. Amazing, isn't it? And the way to break that is to be honest, to take responsibility and to say, now, Lord, come into my life. Amen. So I'm going to pray two prayers. Number one. <laughs> the best way to get out of a hot situation is to repent, to ask God to forgive you, to show you, hey, where, where am I not doing the things that I should be doing? And what, so what must I stop doing and what must I start doing? Amen? Or if it's not that, to say, hey, well, Lord, you're my father. You love me. Whatever I'm going through, you're bigger than it. Okay? So I want to pray that over you. I want to pray if you are going through something, that God would show you if there's things that you need to adjust or if there's nothing that you need to adjust, but he's just teaching you that he's got your back. Lord, yeah, we are. Yeah, as lighthouse. Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I love this church. And Lord, if me, a fallen human being, can have such love for these people, how much more don't you love them? How much more are you not for them? We thank you for what you've given us. Now, Lord, for those of us that are going through trials and tribulations and attesting, Lord, in Jesus' name, I want to pray. Open their eyes. And Lord, where if they need to repent, 
if they need to change, if they need to adjust some things, Holy Spirit, speak to them again. Reveal it to them. Show them the things that you need them to adjust so that you can position them for the blessing and breakthrough. In Jesus' name, I pray for that. Lord, grant them repentance so they could come to their senses and in that area, escape from the devil who has taken them captive. And then, Lord, if there's people that are, Lord, they, it's not that they've done things wrong, but Lord, you got them on a journey and you're busy, perhaps like with Job or even Jesus who faced suffering. You're working your son into them and you're working your character into them. Lord, I want to pray peace. I want to pray contentment. I want to pray against stress and anxiety. And I want to say, Father, through the person of the Holy Spirit, reveal to them your love. Reveal to them their identity. And reveal to them your goodness. One last thing. Two groups of people here. First group, maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. Maybe you've never been born again. You know, it's interesting. Jesus said to Nicodemus, the Pharisee, you must be born again. Being born again is not an option in the kingdom of God. It is the only entry point in the kingdom of God. You must be born again. And I wonder, is there anyone this morning you know You've never been born again. You, you could have been religious your whole life or you know you, you, you're actually a sinner. And today you want to be born again. If that's you, why don't you put your hand up? You've never given your life to Jesus. Is there anyone here this morning? Okay. Second group of people. You could be a prodigal. You could be a religious prodigal or you could be a, a sinner prodigal in that sense, a religious sinner or a worldly sinner. You saved you know you met Jesus one day, but you know you're far from Him. You know that you're not walking with intimacy thing. And, you, and you're saying to me today, Bruce, I want to come back to my Father. I want, him, I want to be robed again. I want to wash my robes. I, want, I, I just want to get my life right with God. If that's you this morning, why don't you put up your hand? We want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. <laughs> Isn't God good? Okay, so now let's all pray with these guys. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Father, thank you for my sonship, for my daughtership. Thank you that I'm your child. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my religiosity. Forgive me for my worldliness. Deliver me from my sin and forgive me of it in Jesus' name. And then Father, I receive your forgiveness now. In Jesus' name. Thank you for the robe that you give me. Now, Lord, teach me to position myself under your word in fellowship with believers so that I can grow. Pour your spirit into me so that I can become like Jesus, a son of the kingdom of God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.